Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 29 of From the Van. It's a podcast from my van where I have conversations with people who have relationships with residential vehicles. Today's episode features Dave and Matt, who come from the world of finance and teaching, respectively. Uh, they run a company called dmvans.com, Dave and Matt Vans, uh, where they build out um, basic camper vans uh, with everything that you need to live in them and nothing that you don't so that you can customize it for your lifestyle. Uh, I went into this conversation expecting to have a conversation with them about their business, uh, which we did, and that was fantastic. But then we got uh, into a really um, interesting conversation about affordable housing, specifically in the Colorado Rockies, uh, but also elsewhere, and, uh, and the way that vans sort of fit into our modern housing landscape. Um, also talked about a theme that sort of comes out when you talk to vanners on a regular basis um, uh, that they seem to have fleshed out a little bit more than some others, uh, which they call van land. Uh, and just basically the amenities that you don't have in your van, but you'd like to drive to sort of a membership basis like like a gym on steroids if you're if you're familiar with what uh, van lifers use a gym for. I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope that you do too. Please enjoy episode 29 of from the van featuring Dave and Matt All right, Matt and Dave, we are in Eagle, Colorado, is that right? Technically or, Gypsum. Oh, we just passed we just it. passed Eagle. Okay. We are next to the Eagle Airport right. in Gypsum, Colorado, Okay. in Vail Valley. All right, and how long have you guys been, What's it's Dave and Matt Vans? Yep. And how long have you been in business? We officially started Jan 1 of this year. Oh. Um, we were building about a year ago. We actually sold our first van Next week, Wednesday. Yeah, almost a year ago. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, just started as a more of a. I was renting out vans in Minneapolis, and he had built his own van, and he told me the cost of it, and I was like, "That's way cheaper than what I'm buying my rental fleet for." So right. the original plan was he was going to teach me. I was going to go back to Minnesota, build out some vans for my rental fleet, but uh -huh. we just kept building them, and they kept selling, and okay. by the end of the year, we're like crap we gotta start a business yeah because um, we had sold by three at that point yeah and uh yeah now we've got probably at the end of the month i think it's 36 on the road jeez sold give yeah, about 30, in a year 30 this year yeah. crap okay so i just went into your um i want to get into like why and the origin and all of that but i just went into your place and uh, 36 in a year is a lot for two people, but you have a team now, right? We've recently assembled a team. Okay. Uh, kind of started with some friends helping us out in the evenings. Right. Uh, it's then hiring two full-time employees. Uh, we now have two and basically a, an intern and okay. apprentice. Uh, wow. So three in the shop. Most and how days. many bands are you doing at the same time? Uh, four at a time. Okay. Yeah, we just moved into this workshop last week. Oh, really? Yeah. So we Where were you doing one, it before? Literally across the street. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we had two vans. We could fit four in that in that workshop, but you couldn't actually fit another person in there. Mm -hmm. So realistically, we'd work at two at a time. Yeah. Um, so just moved in here where we get four going at a time. Right. And they're all pro masters. All pro masters. Um, is that how you guys keep sort of keep the cost down? Is like you have like a template yeah we've systematized everything so yeah. we have templates for everything uh, we only do pro masters we do the short or long wheelbase mm -hmm. um, so we have a template for both okay uh, but it allows us to speed the process up 
exponentially compared to especially other van builders. Yeah. Uh, it took me three months to build my first one, uh -huh. probably longer. It takes us now three weeks. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, and in terms of customization and stuff, what, what do you guys offer? Yeah, we have a customization menu, basically. Okay. So we have a stock build that, you know, is adventure ready, right? You're, you're on the road and going. Uh-huh. Uh, we say everything you need, nothing you don't in that mm -hmm. stock build. And then we do have a list that's growing of things that uh, I live in my van. So I test things out, see how that works, and then we'll start offering them on a menu. So we offer rear seats with seat belts. Right. We offer, you know, swing arm tables. We offer storage benches, upper cabinets. <clears throat> okay. Uh, you can expand the electrical system, uh, right. but it's all on that same base platform. Yeah. I'm obsessed with electrical because I like computers and I want, when I get a bigger van and yeah. build it out, I'm fully intend to make all my entire kitchen electrical if I can. Yeah. What's the base uh, electrical situation in your... Yeah, so we basically have, we have a 280 hour battery um, that runs everything. Um, as far as charging the battery, we've got solar on the roof, so a 175 watt panel. And we also hooked our isolator, or uh, our alternator up through an isolator okay. to charge the battery while driving. And then we just have seven accessories. So what we've basically done over time is tried to figure out what are the essential things that people would need to hit the road with um, and just focus on those things and not get into all the frills and the extras and all the you know gizmos and gadgets that you can put in these things um, so we just have a very basic setup which is two roof vents uh, the LED lights just like yours mm -hmm. uh, with the dimmer switch which probably the same dimmer switch that we have as well. <laughs> but you probably didn't <laughs> dig it out with like just a drill bit. Yeah, it's on a faceplate, but it's still functional. So that's the biggest thing there. And then, yeah, just a water pump refrigerator. We have an underbed LED light system. So, oh, cool. you know, if you're at night trying to get stuff out of the cargo the garage, area, yeah. you can get stuff there. Um, and then I just mentioned a refrigerator. Uh, and then we have a USB charger. Um, and that's pretty much it. Okay. So electric just, sink too. Yeah, and the, the, the water pump there. Um, but yeah, so the, the essence of what Matt was saying, all these add-ons that we've added have either been from our own experience of figuring out, you know, what do you need to be on the road and live comfortably, or right. just from feedback from customers. So people saying, hey, I'd really love upper cabinets, and we probably got 15 requests for that, so we finally said, let's build upper cabinets. Just figured out how to do it and, like, scale yeah. it up or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Um, Are you using lithium or gel? Uh, right now we're using AGM. Okay. Um, we're probably going to introduce a more uh the works package sure. would be what we call it where you know if you really wanted to upgrade the system um above our base build you can uh but our goal again is that base build should be when you leave this lot you don't need anything else right it's purely if you wanted something else like for you maybe if you had more electronics or you wanted to beef up the electrical system mm -hmm. we're probably going to offer a 200 amp hour lithium package right. with a little bit more solar and, and all that but uh but wanting to stick to our roots of you know we want people to leave the lot with our base build and not have to change it yeah cool because um, i always we hated those like those car companies when they put up an ad where it says you could get this car for twenty nine thousand dollars it <laughs> yeah. says like as shown like forty nine thousand you're like yeah well so i can't get that car for it just doesn't come with windows yeah on it. <laughs> if you want all four wheels it's gonna be so we wanted our base package to actually be to a work. legitimate you know you don't need anything else are you is it so you're living in your van yep. here yes um i don't do cold 
Yeah. And Colette and I are actually, she grew up in San Diego and I've been living there for a long time. We actually complain about 80 degrees too. Yeah. <laughs> and it gets both of those things here. Um, how do you deal with the temperature yeah. change, fluctuation? I mean, for one, you know, slightly confusing in that we are in Vail. But yeah. Vail is about 30 minutes, you know, farther east. And it's and way it's more moderate 2,500 feet up. Yeah. Uh, and so you're, you're dealing with <laughs> drastic temperature changes there. Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas we're down in the, we call it the banana belt, right. Eagle, Colorado, just yeah. in Colorado, uh, where temperatures stay pretty moderate. Uh -huh. You know, we, we deal with highs in the, right now in the fall, it's like seventies, yeah. perfect weather in the summer. It gets up to 90, but it's dry. Mm -hmm. Um, and then winter or sorry, during the summer and the night, perfect sleeping temperature. Sure. You know, we're looking at 40, 50 degrees. Oh, okay. Which, Cause we're still at a pretty high yeah, elevation. Which is primo. Like you, you've got yeah. blankets on all winter, yeah, all summer, yeah. but it's nice sleeping weather. Uh -huh. And then uh, winter here, so I've never actually lived in a van in the winter. Okay. Uh, I did it last summer and now this summer. Uh -huh. And our vans are fully insulated. We just put a heater in. So yeah. you have a full like thermostat, pulls off the gas cap okay. heater um, that I've used the last few nights. It's been getting okay. a little chilly. Winter's coming. Right, right. Um, <laughs> but that fully climatized the, the van and, uh -huh. you know, totally doable. So you're going to do it this year? I'm going to stay in until the plan right now is till uh, November. Okay. Um, and we'll see from there. Right. Yeah. I always wondered like how, how an extreme you would have to outfit a van to yeah. make it like an actual to, four yeah. season thing. To be honest, it's, it's not the temperature that's the issue. Mm -hmm. It's most of our public lands here closed down uh, oh, mid-November. Okay. And so, whereas, so our workshop actually, it's one mile from the public land. Okay. And so we can go up there and camp. Right. Is that know, BLM? 14, yeah. BLM. Okay. So 14 days at a time, you can camp up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, basically, we just go sleep one place else, you know. You just move around day and then go back up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but they close that, I think it's November 15th. Oh, okay. So after that, you start to lose a lot of those battles of places to be. Yeah. Uh, whereas to me, I love it because I'm up in, you know, a quiet, beautiful place. Sure. Winter, you're more down on the roads in a parking lot, things like that. Mm -hmm. So you kind of lose that, that appeal. Loses the allure. Yeah. yeah. Are you living here full time now? Yes, yeah, so I've lived out of my van for about three and a half years now. Okay. Um, and I, I have a furnace in mine. So I, I bought a, I actually bought a class B RV three and a half years ago mm -hmm. before I even knew this camper van thing was actually a, a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so mine is a, a 22 foot sprinter. Uh, and to answer your question about the heat, so mine is fully, there's windows throughout the entire thing. Yeah. So you lose all the insulation. Sure. There. Sure. Um, I don't know how well insulated it's an RV uh, build, so I don't know exactly how insulated it was from the beginning. I think but there's probably, some duct tape on the, yeah. probably, <laughs> the seams in there. Probably not crazy insulated. Those RV companies tend yeah. not to do you know heavy insulation. Right. And I just have a furnace that I keep at 55 degrees and a propane tank, and it lasts for two to three weeks at a time. Yeah, you're set And up. there's no issues. Uh -huh. So in ours, with the full insulation and the spray foam, and I mean... I don't know, your heater probably turns on three times a night to keep it at 55 yeah. degrees. It's yeah. just, it's super easy and it's such a small, it's 40 square feet, so it's yeah. such a small space. And especially with yours, like a low roof one, the heat's going to rise, but it's going to stop right here. Mm -hmm. So it's only three feet from your head. So yeah. I didn't do spray insulation. I have uh, poly ISO yep. in, yep. in all of the walls. That was my original so. build and yeah. our floors are still poly ISO board. Okay. Why, why did you switch it up? Just because of cracks and... It cracks, nooks and cracks. Yeah. Uh, and it's just easier. To be yeah. honest, once you get good at spray foam, right. you have a controlled place to do it. Uh huh. It's fast. Yeah, 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 yeah. I figured it would be, but I also thought that like if I tried to do it myself the first time or whatever, it'd just be a giant yeah. mess, right? Yeah. Our, our first time around uh, was a little tricky. I think I called Matt a couple times before going in there, being like, "If I don't make it out of here, because it's just <laughs> you know, it's all toxic, and you got yeah, to have yeah, the respirator yeah, yeah. and." 
and all that. But once I did it, I called them because I think our first installation took, I don't know, in our high roof Days. one, it probably took 24 hours of time. Mm-hmm. Um, spray foam took 35 minutes. Wow. So it was just like the cost we yeah. could save our customers was astronomical. I think our insulation cost went down by like $1,000 yeah, right. after we did that. Especially um, when you can spray four vans on the same day yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yep. Yeah. And that's how we have our team do it. They basically, you know, the, uh, we'll have one person sort of going ahead prepping the vans uh-huh. and then our spray foam guy will come behind there, spray the van, move on to the next one and just do four and right. um, then get some fresh air after that. But yeah. <laughs> we call it spray foam art now though. Yeah. They're getting pretty good at it and they put patterns in there. Yeah, yeah. cool, cool. <laughs> um, talk to me about your, uh, your old rental fleet. What was that about? Yeah, so it was a random sort of story of how that started so i was working in new york city in finance um it's pronounced finance finance <laughs> uh yeah i forgot that accents on the side oh, yeah, there yeah. but um yeah so i was there for probably seven years had always been interested in rvs and camper vans and just all the anything that you could live out of on the road is just incredible to me um so yeah i, I was working with uh, a big company left that to work with another buddy of ours from college and then i split off from him to start my own little thing and when I was doing that I, it was so much work to start up this process and I just bought my first van the one I'm still living out of mm-hmm. I couldn't use it and so I found these websites like Outdoorsy and RV Share and I was like well we'll see what happens I'll put it up there and I expected this was back in Minneapolis at this point I was like hey, maybe we'll rent for a weekend or a couple weeks or whatever and it booked for like four months straight Wow! and so I was like oh uh, that was interesting and so summer ended January rolled around the next year, it was already booked up for the whole summer. Mm-hmm. So I just bought another one, that one booked up, I bought another one, and it just kind of snowballed into that. Um, and then that's when I, you know, probably two years later, Matt and I ran into each other at a annual golf trip that we do, and he was talking about either buying or building or figuring out a camper van situation out here in Vail. Um, and I was like, hey, I've been renting these for like two years, so if you have any questions and costs and that's how the whole conversation started. Was, yeah, yeah. You know, I was trying to drop whatever knowledge I could on him, and then he came back and said, "Hey, I'm gonna build this one, and this is gonna be the budget." And I was like, "I'm coming out to Vale." So yeah. Uh, now it's been a year, and we're we're full on. So cool. Um, where do you where do you go in the winter when you leave here? So yeah, basically this last winter I was just here. Oh okay. Um, so yeah. Uh, Does production shut down? No. Nope. Okay. Yeah. So we we thought the winter was going to be slow last year. So Matt was a teacher last year. Mm-hmm. He's, he's been a teacher for eight years now, and um, we basically were like, "Hey, like this is getting some traction. Let's sort of take the winter to plan and prep how we want to hit the ground running in the spring." And we were talking about like we should have like two to three vans that we could sell come springtime, and that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. And like we sold probably six or seven wow. over the winter. Um, so it was unexpected. So like Matt was coaching lacrosse and uh, teaching and then coming here on Sundays and I was just building full time and mm-hmm. trying to, you know, build six of these. Uh, so that was an unexpected change. Um, but we found that there's a lot of skiers. There's a lot of people that like to, you know, chase powder or go wherever they want to go and ski. So we kind of underestimated that. Um, but yeah, so we just hung out here and... Um, found like matt said found ways to live out of the winter when the blm land closed um but yeah so it's it's been there's no downtime really like there, we thought any every season we're like oh there's probably be a slow time here right. it just doesn't 
happen. So yeah, the, the beauty of out here too is our fall, if you go down to the desert, lasts mm -hmm. until November. Yeah. yeah. So basically there's that season where you can either ski and veil or go ride bikes or hike down in right. Moab or Fruta. Uh -huh. yeah. um, so people are still planning fall trips and want a van for it. Right. And then spring, if you go down the desert, really starts in February, March. Mm -hmm. And so once you hit kind of December, January, people are already starting to think about yeah. their spring adventure mobile sure. um, and hit us up. And then we kind of start planning for that, yeah. um, which we're already getting right now. Like We're already getting people on the schedule for January, February, mm -hmm. looking for that spring build. So I feel like just living down in San Diego County, and I want to talk about the politics of like van life and, yeah, and that sort of thing please. in a minute. But uh, I feel like in in the winter is like when everybody is in San Diego County yeah. because yeah. it's seventy degrees, you yeah. know, and and sunny. And then and then when it gets uh, tolerable at altitude and latitude, yeah. then everybody disperses and there's yeah. nobody there during the summer. Um, and so you know, I know a bunch. I know a bunch of people who went down to Mexico yeah. over January and that yeah. sort of thing. Uh, what's your what's your clientele like in terms of who's buying vans? Is it is it folks who are looking for an adventure mobile and they live you know kind of close by but want to be able to drive around and stay in their vehicle, or is it people who are actually like moving out actively moving out of brick and mortar homes? We've had every walk of life yeah. come through. It's it's been my favorite part about this job is we've got thirty well thirty six on the road by the end of this. Uh huh this uh, month and to me all 36 have an awesome story right you know it, it's everything from young couples in denver mm -hmm. who want a place to you know go on a camping trip with a kid in the back yeah and we install seats in the back for them so we've probably had it's probably our number one clientele are younger couples mm -hmm. um you yeah, know from cities families. yeah you know whether that we've had some from the bay area we had pacific northwest we've had actually san diego mm -hmm. uh, la area um after that it's it's athletes you know we've got skier you know one of our first fans was sold to a guy who was going on a six-month ski trip he was trying to hit basically every resort in the west uh all last summer, or all last winter mm -hmm. we've got uh professional crossfitters sure. uh a it's guy like who, traditional dirt bags it could right? be yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah 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 anyone who needs to move for their, their right. sport you yeah. know rock climbers uh -huh. for sure uh, mountain bikers. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got you know one guy who lives and works full time on his van. Yeah. Uh, with basically a pursuit of mountain biking, he's a programmer, so works in the van, takes his bike, and yeah, you know, every time I see his Instagram story, he's in British Columbia or right. Jackson yeah. Hole or awesome. you know mountain bike meccas. Yeah. Working, and it's like yeah, I think you got this figured out, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, who am I missing in there? Well, I think we you know we've got like you said all walks of life of just people that um, probably. If I was to guess, were hippies back in the 70s. Uh -huh. and yeah. Doing it back yeah, then. Yeah, the old retired. And yeah, now they're coming full you circle. You got some middle-aged clientele and stuff too. And so. some late-age retirees. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, And so it's been really interesting to see, you know, and I think that's been the great part about the build that Matt put together was he did on the teacher's budget. So essentially he just needed the, the, the basics in there, whatever he needs to go mountain bike, whatever he needed to do. But uh -huh. The build is very simplistic, so like I said, there's not all these frills and bells and whistles, and so it's almost a you know open canvas for someone else to take it and put their own little touch to it. Clean so modular, yeah. So yeah. we're not building it for any you know specific sport where it's you know comes decked out with mountain bike stuff. So if you go mountain bike, half our van is going to be useless. And so I think mm -hmm. most people take our van and they say, great, we either use it as is, we're going to add you know this little thing because we do this specific sport. 
uh, or you know the one of the older guys is a musician, so like he's got a little place he can strap down his uh, music stuff while he's driving around. So it's it's nice to allow other people to make it their own versus almost you know predefine it for them and tell right. them, hey, this is what we build and it's already tailored to everything that we think you need. Mm-hmm. We're like, hey, these are the essentials. You figure out what you want to do with it. Yeah. Um, so that's been nice to see the the different variations people have done with their vans. Um, Okay, so the thing that's really interesting to me lately is uh, one of my buddies just sent me um, an article from outside online and there's this there's this huge like rush to the van thing and living in a van traveling in a van and that sort of thing and a bunch of municipalities in both in outdoorsy sort of places like uh, the Rockies in Colorado and up in Squamish in British Columbia, but also in um, in metropolitan areas like San Francisco and San Diego, where rent's out of control. You know, people, the dirtbags and the athletes and all of those people, runners and uh, surfers and, and cyclists and stuff, want to travel around and stuff. Um, and stay in their vans, but also in places where rents are going nuts, um, people are sort of deciding to move into uh, the public space yeah. in places where it's not designated like BLM, that mm-hmm. you can just sort of camp for free whenever. Um, and I have my own opinions about whether or not that's appropriate, um, but uh, what are you guys seeing in terms of like either locally here uh, in terms of backlash or your clientele looking to make things super stealth so that they can so they can be in the street and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was going to say, you know, it, it's something we talk about a lot. Yeah. Um, because what we see is this is a growing lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, and that's not changing anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And so municipalities basically have to do something about it. You know, they have to have some form of policy because it's coming, right? whether they want it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we really want to be proactive, especially in our community here in the Val Valley, where there's a housing crisis. Yeah. You know, kind of same thing in San Francisco or San Diego. Rent prices here are exorbitant, mm-hmm. you know, and so you see a lot of people coming out here with that passion for skiing or biking or whatever brings them here, running in the dilemma. They can't stay because they can't afford rent. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where our vans really play a role in housing crises. Um, and so we haven't quite gotten there yet, but our, our intention is to start talking to our local government, um, as far as what their plan is for it, because we have a solution for a problem. You know, there's a housing crisis. We offer housing through a van, Mm -hmm. but if, you know, say everyone did it right, where does everyone park? Right. You know, if, you know, more people start doing it, what is the policy? Mm -hmm. And so we kind of keep looking at these ways of like, you know, getting rec centers involved where there is that shower, there's that place to chain, you know, and have that comfort of of home. Sure. You know, there are so many public parks here, Uh you know, that no one parks them at night, you know, so what kind of, you know, what can the van community give to the community to get back, you know, a place to park, a place to shower, you know, a place to, you know, do laundry, things like that. So it's definitely in the works for us. Yeah, I think that's the big, so like for my experiences, it's been off and on now three and a half years and I've always just had to find, like I've parked in New York City for two weeks at a time and I've lived on the street there and like have done it all over the place and um, yeah, I think that there is, I get both sides of it, which is from the government perspective, 
if you have a home here, you're paying taxes on that. They're getting revenue from it that allows them to keep their streets and their parks and everything clean. If everyone lived in a van and they have no tax revenue, <laughs> none of those services can be funded. And the so, Wild West again. Yeah. So then it's it's that combination of, okay, like how do we prevent people from essentially freeloading off of the amenities that we are, you know, taxpaying people are providing. Um, but I do th- I think there's an easy solution, which is some sort of, you know, permit program or some sort of thing where like here, we could buy a permit from the town of Gypsum. There's three designated parking spaces, parking lots, and you can park there from nine to 7 a.m. or whatever the, the times are. But they're very easy solutions to those things. Um, yeah, I think from our perspective, it's, it's probably the cheapest way to live. And that was sort of the impetus for me to do this was to be able to start and try to start a couple of businesses um, that were not going to pay me much at the beginning, like 200 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a very, very inexpensive way to take those risks right. uh, and do those things. And so it's a very beneficial thing in that we are both contributing back to the town of Gypsum here because we do belong to the rec center. We shop at the grocery stores. We go to Costco. And I think the other big well, thing... Well, and you're running a business that's paying yeah. taxes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but we're, from we're, your perspective. Yeah, from our perspective, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, and then I think the other thing, too, that I get from their perspective, and this would be a little bit trickier to try and figure out, is... And I tell people all the time when they ask me, hey, like, how do you physically live? Like, how do you do it? What's what's the playbook for being able to live out of your van? Right. And I always just say, just same with the BLN line here, just be respectful, which is like, yeah, we have the leave no trace rules up here mm-hmm. where, you know, don't abuse the privilege of being able to park on the street and live out of a van. Right. So don't put garbage out in front. Like, sure, don't sure. play loud music. Don't put lawn chairs and tables out in front. Like, right. just do your thing and like live there and be under the radar. Keep your head low, yeah. Yeah, and, and don't, you know, abuse that privilege um, and you'll be fine. And yeah. I think that's the big crux too, is that obviously if you just open it up to anyone who lives in a vehicle, mm-hmm. I mean, in San Diego, I'm sure you've seen, there is a wide range of people that live out of their vehicles and some sure. people don't treat that privilege well and they have trash just, you know, on top of their rv that's flying off the back sometimes or uncle eddie yeah yeah. and i've heard of like you know they've got septic systems in there that are leaking all over the street and it's like well you can't have your toilet literally leaking on Mm -hmm. to the roads (laughs) like but there's got to be a way to find you know middle ground in there to have a compromise of saying look like you know you can have regulations around what's allowed and what's not allowed and right you know a vehicle inspection process yeah um i uh so i went to both of the most recent hearings on the new San Diego vehicle, vehicular habitation okay. ordinance. Um, and the, the thing, the thing that shocks me about it is that it's, the rhetoric is very akin to pretty much every xenophobic othering sort of argument that you hear, yeah. um, which is those people are dirty. Those people are unclean. Those people are, uh, unmentionables and unwanted and that sort of thing. Whereas hippies are homeless. Those everything those. that you just mentioned and all of the much more, uh, um, awful things that they're talking about at these hearings that are associated with people in vans or vehicular habitation um so often no always they're already illegal yeah you know what i mean littering is illegal yeah dumping your waste into the street is (laughs) illegal you know uh hanging out with 
blocking a blocking a sidewalk is illegal. Yeah. All of this stuff yeah. is already illegal. So why don't you enforce the laws that you have, as opposed to arbitrarily uh, criminalizing something that's yeah. Yeah. that's, that's not? And then the other question that I have is, uh, there's this guy. Just in the interest of full disclosure, I'm a traffic and parking and policy nerd. And there's okay. this guy in uh, in LA named Donald Shoup that I really want to interview. He wrote The High Cost of Free Parking. It's an 800-page parking policy book. And my question is, supposing that I'm doing only legal things in and around my vehicle, and I'm making dinner and watching TV and working in my vehicle, mm -hmm. is that a higher utility or lower utility use than somebody who's just storing their private property on public space? Yeah. You know? Um, and so I think there's a that, that, that a lot of times the answer can be there's a difference between free and a nominal cost, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And everybody should pay a nominal cost to park on public property, yeah. right? I, I mean, the the most precious real uh, resource that we have as any any culture, any society, any municipality is our real estate. Yeah. And so it's like, why are we going to give some members of the public access to that and not give other yeah. members of the public the same access to that thing? Yeah. Uh, have you started talking to the local municipalities around here at all? We haven't been able to explore that purely because we're only nine months into the business. And you're stupid busy. So we're trying to yeah. get this up and running. And I think part of that conversation comes from building this business into something that is a local staple. So like we just had mm -hmm. an article written about us in the Vale Daily, which is the local paper here. I saw that. I was looking for, that's yeah. why I hit you up because I was looking for somebody yeah. to give me some advice about where I ought to be yep. going. And so I was but, like, Oh, I want to talk to these guys. But those are the things where if, if we're giving back to the community, if we're, uh, you know, an integral part of the community, that conversation is easier to have. Sure. Basically saying, look, like we've established a business here. Uh, we've got X amount of customers that have bought these things. Mm -hmm. And it's really a big, you know, it's a thing here. Um, yeah. And I think the other the other interesting thing I've always thought about with the the government conversations because yeah like I said I, I always view it as they just view it as hippies and homeless mm -hmm. is is how I always say it that live out of vans and I always just say like I would love to show them not only our vans yeah. but like uh, there's a company in Denver called Van Life Customs mm -hmm. that makes hundred and fifty thousand dollar vans oh I've seen some of those and they're and intense. they are nicer than and half the here. apartments yeah. in yeah, yeah, San yeah. Diego and so it's like just to show them that like hey. This isn't that old Volkswagen bus that just has a couch in the back mm -hmm. and there's eight people sleeping. It's like, mm -hmm. no, this is a legitimate home. Like it yeah. has all the amenities. It has all the insulation. It is four seasons. Like it mm -hmm. is a livable structure. And I want them just to take a tour and be yeah. like, this is what we're talking about. We're not talking about a rundown 1970s Winnebago with three wheels. It's on a cinder block on the side of the road. It's right. like, we're talking about like this is a Mercedes Metris, and yeah, like yeah, yeah. you've got everything you need in here as far as electrical and mm -hmm. you know uh, ventilation system and a kitchen. So it's like you know just to show them what's changed over the last forty years. Right. Like, this is actually a very legitimate thing that's going on here, and it's a very legitimate alternative where people like Matt and I that were you know well educated, we're hardworking, we've started this business like. We I was have, a local school teacher for eight years. So. Yeah, we've opted to live in vans because it offers the same comfort as a home, and it's a fifth of the price. Right, so, right, right. Well, I, and you yeah. can go take it and live somewhere else. And you can do it every month. We just spent a bunch of time in New York and Montreal and Toronto too. Yeah, um, and that's awesome to be able to like have your all your stuff. Yep, there. take um, it with you. Turtle, turtle yeah. philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's my that's my big complaint about traveling lately has been. 
that we've done seven weeks and it's just been so wonderful. But the chief complaint, and we're so spoiled and all that, but like the chief complaint that we have is, I wish I could spend more time in this place. Yes. Yeah. You know, I wish I could move slower. The van is too fast. Almost, <laughs> yeah. You know? um, well, it, 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 it's that it enables, you know that the world is your oyster. Yeah. You know that there are a million you know options for you in the van. So it's almost like, you just want to go to the next spot. You want to go. Yeah. yeah. Like, we were just in Tahoe for the Adventure Van Expo, and we were you know, originally planning. It's all right. We're going to leave here Thursday. We're going to leave there Sunday and get back here. And, like, we're sitting there being like, Tahoe's pretty sweet. Like, yeah. we should probably stay here for a few more days. We offered but, to go on two boat rides, and we're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, we should stick around. <laughs> and so it's great because it does enable you to have those options. But mm-hmm. like you said, at the same time, you're always like, well, yeah. there's so much to see. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah. You want to chase the seasons or whatever you want to do. It's like, man, there's 40,000 miles that you could go around the country in North uh-huh. America that is uh, calling your name. So it's, it's hard sometimes. Yeah. Uh, what's on the, what's on the horizon for you guys? You just have your heads down, just like building vans or is there something that you're excited about? Some new innovation or uh, something else that you want to add to your project? Yeah, I think right now the next six months is focused on getting our business sustainable up and running in a very efficient and smooth way Uh so that we can then focus on these bigger projects. So working with the local governments, uh, potentially expanding in other areas where the camper van life is either a thing, but it's underserved or they don't even know that it's a thing, but the environment that surrounds them is very conducive to it. So I think about the Southeast a lot of Mm -hmm. you go to the outer banks all the way down to Jacksonville, Mm -hmm. Florida, huge surfing community, huge kite surfing community, huge outdoors community with the Appalachian mountains. I never see camper vans there whenever I go there. They're just never around. I see some RVs or whatever, but obviously here, San Diego, Mm -hmm. you're going to see a lot of them. Mm -hmm. So we've just thought about like, how can we enable this lifestyle uh, with our goal in mind, which is affordability, quality and efficiency. So We don't want this one-year wait list for people who want to have the van life. We want to get them on the road, living this lifestyle to yeah. sort of see how incredible it can be. So that's really our, our next kind of one to two years would be, you know, starting to try and expand to different areas. And yeah. I think long-term, it is either creating a community ourselves. So we, we joke, it's, we're going to call van it van, van land. Um, but a community, almost like a co-working community is kind of our idea where, you know, van life people can come to this place. There's a central sort of clubhouse that they can all interact with and engage with. And, you know, like you, Hey, I'm doing podcasts and this is what I'm doing. There's a graphic designer next to you and a programmer and just share the stories and give you a place to park and sleep and fill up your water and do the essentials that you need, but then, you know, be able to hit the road, but still have sort of a community around it. So that's a longer term vision, but I think, you know, that would be another very fulfilling thing for us. Seems like every van life meetup that I go to, I end up hearing people having some permutation of that sort of fantasy. You know, it's like, what if we just had a parking lot where there were laundry machines, Wi-Fi, and, and, uh, this guy, Ryan, that was on the podcast months ago, we realized we were having this fantasy and we realized that what it all comes down to is plumbing. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. You know, sewer. that's the biggest yeah. thing. Just and one in the middle. This is everything flows <laughs> down to the center. Yep. Just full drain. But, uh, well, no, I think that is the thing. And I don't know what you guys have experienced, but there is a, I don't know if lonely is the right word, hmm. but there is isolation mm-hmm. on the road, which is whether it's just you and your partner, your dog, me by myself, you know, whatever, the situation is 
you lack the community like mm-hmm. Matt has built here of eight years of being a teacher. Right. He has a network of friends and all of that versus if you're constantly transient, you lose that. And mm-hmm. so I think there's a lot of van lifers that are seeking, hey, every once in a while, it would just be nice to get together with a bunch of like-minded people yeah. and chat about experiences, share stories, you know, share ideas, and then... Take know, a shower. Yeah, <laughs> go to the bathroom, you know, things like that. And then disperse from there. And so I think there's that need that everyone discovers as they're on the road which right. is you need that balance in your life of a community but also the freedom to do what you want to do right uh and i think that's where that idea comes from and why everyone sort of talks about it is yeah they've all experienced it on the road they say this would be nice to yeah. have somewhere i can go instagram has been really useful for us mm-hmm. in, yep. in terms of that i know we have some friends down in um in san diego who've been trying to really get the the van life app moving yeah. and it's it's such a wonderful idea, and and at the same time, when I open it, a lot of times it's super frustrating yeah, to me yeah. because it doesn't have the critical volume of, of users. Yeah. Like, I I was sitting. We took a shower yesterday mm-hmm. on our way into the Rockies yeah. uh, out of Denver at uh, Planet Fitness, and I opened the Van Life app, and I can in the parking lot. There's like a Sprouts and a Planet Fitness. I can see one uh, Class B, no Class C RV yeah, parked. Yeah and three or four other yeah. van life vans yeah. right and i open the app and i can't see anybody yeah. and i'm like you guys and yeah. i'm not i'm not saying i know how to do it yeah, but yeah. it would be wonderful if that if that was out yeah. there and actually functional and they and they've just had a hard time like ramping it up to the point where people are act- actively and adequately yeah. using it but that said and so i've we've experienced finally this is the first time because we're always down in san diego we've experienced for the first time this sort of um, solitude yeah. that you're talking about. And it's like, I've never been, we're still getting on, don't worry about us, but I've never been like so frustrated with Colette in yeah. moments yeah. and the dog too, you know? And um, it's because there's nobody else out there. Yeah. And like, we didn't go to a bar last night and that's sort of our thing is both of us are very outgoing people and it's great to go to a bar and just like, Hey, yep. talk to me about just, whatever you want to talk about. Right. You know, that said, uh, when you build this community, and this is the whole sort of surfing localism, and I know that it's in every other sport, no matter what you do. I was going like, jump in on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like if you know the spot yep. down four hours south of the border in, in uh, Baja, there's this tension because I'm an anti-localist. I'm an inclusion, inclusionary sort of person, and I want people to surf, and I want to surf with people, and I don't own this surf spot. But at the same time, like when I've been down in the southeast, because I grew up in South Carolina, I went yeah. there for uh, over the holidays. Last year, I was able to take like a three-week trip in the van to go out and, and see my folks. Um, and there was something glorious about the fact that nobody knew what this fan <laughs> yeah. was, you yep. know? It was like, I was completely under the radar, yep. yeah. you know? No one has any idea. Um, and so there's that tension, right? Between Such like, a fine line. Yeah. Like yeah. those apps sound so great in theory, uh-huh. and I like to use them, uh-huh. but I definitely have some spots that I go. That like, you're not posting. Yeah. That we don't necessarily post. Yeah. And, like, it's such, like I'm a, I'm a backcountry skier. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like uh-huh. I've always been one, I'm a teacher by yeah. heart. And so like I'm inclusive as, as can be. Yeah. I want everyone to have the same shared experience. Uh-huh. Whereas most of my friends who I back under ski with are like, Matt, if you tell another person about this goddamn spot. <laughs> yeah. I'm that guy too. Yeah. I'm the you guy, not the yes, local you know, guy. It's, 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 it's a total balance. And I get yeah. it too. Cause like if everyone starts showing up to the same spot, yeah. you lose, you know, in the case of waves, you lose your wave. In uh-huh. our case, we lose our, you know, virgin powder. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I shouldn't like, uh-huh. I'm glad they enjoyed it. You know, you, you kind of like go back to this, like, mm-hmm. damn, they took our spot, but. 
I bet they had a great time. Yeah. And so you're psyched on it growing right. in that regards, but it's such a, it's a balance, mm -hmm. right? It, for everything, and I apologize for this, but it always comes back to the politics for me. And then the one yeah. question that I didn't ask you about the local, the local uh, communities in this area, and specifically, you know, up a, a little bit more into the prize territory yeah. of, of Vail and that sort of thing is, um, I don't know. We stayed in a in a rest stop last mm -hmm. night, so I don't know at all what the politics are. I haven't even driven around yeah. in those cities and like read the signs yet. What is the attitude of the landed gentry in this in these communities and stuff? You know, it, it's Colorado in general. We're very lucky. The yeah. amount of BLM land that's here, mm -hmm. the amount of, like even compared to California, California has a ton of parks, mm -hmm. but it's a lot of paid for mm -hmm. parks, which is great. You know, they maintain them. There's just more population density. Right. Whereas here, so much of our land is just free to park on and right. free to live on. And especially us, you know, being in the Val Valley, we're down Eagle Gypsum for a reason. There's mm -hmm. actually land still left here. Sure. And so there's public land for us to park on. There's, you know, a rest stop where we can sleep in overnight. Like, there's more space down here. Right. Once you press up towards Valley, the closer you get to the, the epicenter, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, the harder it is to park. Yeah. Um, and that's where people do it, but it's definitely... People are very secretive of where they park. Their little spots. Yeah, and like stuff, you know, yeah. it's everything between like, yeah, I got my spot behind the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Like, it's dark back there. I can stay there most nights. Throw yeah. some leaves on top yeah. of the van <laughs> so no one sees it. You know, I got my spot up this road. Right. But like Vale, it's it's tough. Yeah. Uh, that said, you know, Vale has a massive housing crisis. Yeah. Because it is all million dollar mansions at this point. Sure. Anything that's left over from the '60s are tearing down and building million dollar mansions. Mm -hmm. So those who are out here to work for the mountain, to be right. teachers, to, you know, everything that kind of allows Vail to function as it does, they can't find a place to live. Yeah. And so they're all looking for solutions. And, uh -huh. you know, we definitely want to be a part of the conversation. Well, this is straying away from the van thing completely. Yeah. But since we're there, I, I, I want to know. Um, we live in Encinitas, which is a uh, very wealthy, um, old coastal mm -hmm. surfing community. And the people there are very adverse to um, density development. Yeah. And, you know, it seems to me like a no-brainer if you need low-wage people, especially seasonal yeah. people, to come in and work, then the answer is to build up a small footprint. Yeah. Um, is there a similar sort of uh, hostility towards, yes. like, okay. Yes, and it's, you know, it's that, that power of a few versus the masses. Sure. Uh, that hold a lot of weight in Vail. Uh -huh. You know, there are a lot of influential families who have been there a long time right. who pull weight. Uh -huh. uh, and the and the big example right now is there's a they're trying to build an affordable housing you know development uh -huh. uh, in East Vail that would be you know a ton of apartments intended for employees of the mountain teachers you know people who need some help in finding rent. Yeah, and there are a few people who are standing in the way of it. And they're claiming everything from it's ruining the elk migration patterns to, <laughs> you know, like they're basically just pulling every card they can. Yeah. And obviously they have their right to say this, you know, sure. most of them are property owners there, you know, around that area for millions of dollars and mm -hmm. want things to stay as they are. But, you know, big picture wise, if you want good teachers in your schools, if you want someone to bump <laughs> the chair at the, at the ski resort, if you want mm -hmm. someone to serve you food at your favorite restaurant, they either need those housing projects or they need designated van parking or they need, you know, there needs to be more things popping up because sure. the resort is in this weird spot right now where they can't get enough employees. Mm -hmm. And so 
you know, if you want the thing that makes Vale Vale, you got to find the, a solution to this. Yeah, or you could just exclude everybody and or just, just have yeah. powder every day to yourself, yeah. Yeah. right? But no one to actually run your chairlift. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. And no one to serve you food. <laughs> yeah. And no yeah. one to clean the toilets, uh, a, you know. And that is, you, you see a lot of the, a lot of the service to Vale is down here yeah. in Eagle okay. and just like 45 okay. minutes away from Vale because And depending is, on the conditions, it's probably hard to get there sometimes, right? Yeah, it can be. We're in the right direction okay. in that the shot from here to Vale is fairly straightforward. Mm -hmm. If you go towards Summit County, you're going up over two mountain passes, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, whereas this is, for the most part, this commute to Vale is dry for the first 30 minutes. Yeah. And then it's just the last 10 minutes where you may deal with some weather. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. The, the weather hits you the drive mountain up from mountain. that direction. Yeah. yeah. And what's what's nice about here is so in Gypsum there's a uh, RV park called River Dance right down the road here. Mm -hmm. It's really nice. It's right on the Eagle River. Goes right through Gypsum there, and uh, they just the city just approved an expansion of that. I think from like 50 spaces to 250 spaces. It's oh, wow. um, so obviously RV park isn't necessarily intended for full time living, but it is nice to see that this this town is at least acknowledging that. Hey, this is a cheap alternative that if you have a little RV, you can park it over there and live out of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and the fact that they've let it expand 5X uh, is a good sign for this area. Mm -hmm. Vale is a whole other story, as mm -hmm. Matt was saying. And so I think, you know, there it's more of that conversation of hearing their side of it first, right. of hearing the problems. Like, what are you so concerned about? Is it the elk migration? Is it, and then getting that list and then having thoughtful people put together a solution and not in a, you know, negative fighting way of, you know, you're wrong, we're right, whatever, of just saying like, hey, let's work together because like you said, like you could get better teachers, you can get yeah. more staff here, you can get better community service uh, to the awesome amenities that are in Vail. Right by solving this problem and so everyone should be on the same page but i think a lot of times it can come of the you know the all the ski employees will be fighting oh we need more money and everyone mm -hmm. oh no you don't like mm -hmm. i think it just needs to be that conversation of and again maybe showing the vans is the way to do it of like hey this is what we're talking about or uh just coming up with solutions of like it's not what you might have pictured in your head that this actually is a more reasonable solution or a more uh, amenable solution to the town of Vale, where it won't lose its pristine uh, by having $150,000 Mercedes vans parked there. It's like, right. that's, it's not going to hurt anything. I promise you. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, and we're not going to mess with the elk migration. So. Yeah, no, we'll, it's so curious to stay me. Stay out of their way. We yeah. always have this too. It's like, because <clears throat> I've worked in environmental politics for a long time and the, the environmentalists uh, are, are good NIMBY to a certain point. Mm -hmm. And then you find them fighting against density development sometimes uh on environmental basis and and it's the greenest way to live yeah. is yeah. you know sharing walls and, and exactly. building up and 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 you know that's efficiencies it's yeah. Know, yeah share whatever it is that that's actually where i'm from minneapolis they just passed their big thing is creating more density in the city yeah and uh they just passed a pretty uh ridiculous law from real estate perspective of they have rezoned basically their entire city hmm. away from single family zoning. I saw that. That's awesome. So I love it. Everything yeah, is now R4. And yeah. so I've got a few friends in commercial real estate that were doing developments in R4, R5 zoning, which are like fourplexes, five yeah. plexes, things like that. And uh, they stopped development because they were like, if this changes where I now can buy any property, mm -hmm. 
tear that house down and build a four-story yeah. building. That is a monumental change. Sure. Whereas they used to have maybe you know 500, 500 plots of land over a 10,000 plot area. Mm -hmm. Now it's 10,000 plots of land. Yeah. Then you can go build four-story buildings. So? And it's, it's, we'll see how it ends up being in Minneapolis, but I know it was a hugely contested thing of, of course, all yeah. the single-family people were like, well, I'm going to be wedged between a bunch of four-story buildings, and like now my little neighborhood is just going to be. Yeah, but your local business is actually going to stay alive now yeah. because there's and that's... well, and your property value yeah. is going to explode yeah. because and the developers want to buy your house and put four exactly. stories yeah. on it. And there's still places that you can obviously you don't want to make people move, right. but hey, if all of a sudden your property value goes up three x, you can take that money and move wherever the hell you eight want. blocks yeah. down the street where mm -hmm. that zoning didn't actually take mm -hmm. you know, place. It's a it's a, not a bad idea. And so, you know, it took years to contest that. But the fact that they passed it, I think, is a very positive thing. Uh, and the other thing that they're doing a lot of talk about is the tiny home movement. Mm -hmm. um, I have my real estate license in Minnesota. I took a continuing ed class on tiny homes this year. And it was all about this is here to stay, that this is a mm -hmm. incredibly efficient way to live. Uh, it's 200 square feet. Like ours is 80 square feet. So I was almost like, yeah, it's pretty, mm -hmm. pretty similar. But, um, but basically, you know, the way it is now is you have to own a single family house. So you have to, you have to own a large home in order to live out of a tiny home, mm -hmm. which is like the most, <laughs> what? well, cause you have to, you have to own a property that is actually within the building codes. Okay. So a minimum of 600 square feet. Mm -hmm. Then you can have an accessory dwelling unit oh, yes, yes. behind your house, which would be your mm -hmm. tiny house. So right. there is no way you could buy a plot of land. You need a friend who's wealthy. Exactly. Right. And build, and just build a tiny home. And so what they're trying to do is change those regulations of saying, hey, these were antiquated. These tiny homes didn't exist, but they are fully functional, fully insulated, fully livable. Can we change the building code? So mm -hmm. if you own a little plot of land, you can throw a little tiny house on there and still be in the parameters of the egresses and, you know, the sure. plot dimensions. And there's traction with it. And I think it's it'll be a very positive thing if that passes in some places there was a tiny home community in durango, durango here that yeah. just passed finally um, and so what is that what does that look like is it just i'm super let me restart this because it's about to stop itself um i'm super interested because i got i fetishized the tiny home thing for a while um and i spent eight years without a car for environmental and ethical mm -hmm. purposes uh and i got it in obsessed with the tiny home thing but all of the tiny homes that I saw were, by necessity, pretty far outside of town. Yeah. And so what you had was somebody living in 200 square feet, driving around a 100 square foot car yeah. to get to the, gas, the yeah. grocery store and all yeah. of that sort of stuff. And I was like, wait a minute, if I'm going to do that, why not drive my home around? Yeah. yeah. Right? And um, and so what is a what is a tiny home community in Durango look like? Is it just a, a bunch of little... Tiny homes right next to each other? Or? The Durango one's pretty cool. It's basically right downtown. Okay. It's like literally behind, like the Walmart is like right across the river from it. Okay. And there's like, I think it was a community center was right there, but it's like a plot of land in what would be otherwise downtown Durango. Wow. Smaller okay. town, but you know, still, how big is Durango? It's 100,000. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the, if you want to fly to Telluride, you fly to Durango. Okay. If there's an air, airport um, there. But how they're doing, I, I looked it up on their website and you can either Rent a plot of land mm -hmm. for five hundred dollars a month, and then put your tiny home on it. Mm -hmm. um, you can rent a plot of land with the tiny home already on it, so basically all in one land and home. Uh, I think that was like eight or nine hundred dollars, like very reasonable. Wow. Yeah. Um, 
and they just kind of get situated on this plot of land. Mm-hmm. And what they've done that, that's cool is my, my dream's always been I want a tiny home with a big garage for mm-hmm. my toys. You yeah. know, keep my bikes in there, right. skis and all of that. And your camper van. And my camper van. <laughs> uh, but what they've done in this community actually is you can have that plot of land and then there's a storage facility on site. Okay. And so everyone can rent a storage facility. For your surfboards and four-wheeler Ex- or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. You know, for your toys. Right. Um, and so, you know, I think it's... It's a pretty neat idea. Yeah. Um, I know it took them a long time to pass. Huh. Like their goal was to open this time last year. Yeah. And they're just opening this fall. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know what the battle was that they fought with town council, et cetera, mm-hmm. but I know it is the first larger scale tiny home dwelling. How big is it? Yeah. In like city limits is the big yeah. thing. Okay. Um, I think there was only, I would bet no more than 20 plots. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but you know, still pretty substantial. Yeah. Right downtown. And there are some really interesting communities in California. There's a, a Netflix documentary. It was on Netflix about tiny home communities specifically. Uh, um, and one thing I so I have a friend in Minneapolis who does commercial real estate, and all they do are trailer parks. Mm-hmm. And so he is very well versed in the tiny that is the tiny sure, home sure. living as a trailer park basically. And we'd always talked about of you know there there's there's a stigma around the trailer park and the way that they are usually designed doesn't have the community feel that tiny home dwellers would want. And we've talked a lot about it and we, you know, was trying to figure out what the crux of it was. And I saw this documentary and I figured out, at least for me, what the barrier was. And it was the tiny home communities that are built in California are built like neighborhoods. Yeah. So they have streets, mm-hmm. they have sidewalks, mm-hmm. they have grassed front yards, they have their little home, they have a little driveway. So it looks like a neighborhood that has just been shrunk down yeah, to a like tiny a home. Tiny suburb. Yeah, versus the trailer park is all dirt. Mm-hmm. It is just gridded yeah. side by side. There's no trees, there's no landscape, there's no gardens, there's no there's nothing that a neighborhood feel has. And that was the big difference was mm-hmm. basically if you were to create a community that actually had a shared sense of these are our sidewalks and our yards and we can have our little community garden and we can have the things that any neighborhood has but it's just on a smaller scale it becomes a much more aesthetically pleasing and a much more enjoyable place to live i would imagine mm-hmm. versus if you're just crammed in you know two feet away from your person next door with no natural vegetation with no natural you know environment around you other than just dirt it's a depressing in a way where you know you want to be outdoors and they've done all those studies around like just walking in nature like makes you happier and feel better and so i think that like with the durango one it was a little bit interesting in that it is seems like a dirt parking lot i don't know exactly how they're going to do it but the ones that i saw in california you see them and you're like i could live there yeah because that is that looks like a home. Like mm. that looks like a place that you could build a community around. Right. Um, and so for me, that was always the thing. If we were to design a van land or something like that would be, don't just throw it in a dirt parking lot where a bunch of vans go in and dirt kicks up and right. there's rocks. It's like, make it a place that people yeah. want to be and people yeah. want to live. And like, especially for outdoor enthusiasts, like make it a beautiful place and then they can call that home. Mm-hmm. Like, I, the thing that occurs to me when you say that is that when I look, when I'm going to, uh, a parking lot to hang out for the day or whatever, if it's at a park or over the beach or whatever, I look for the spot that I can back up to the pretty thing. Yeah. And then if I can find a side spot that's got, even if it's just four feet yeah. of not 
another parking space yeah, yes. right there, I back into that because then I can sort of spill out a little bit yeah, yeah. into the, and there's this, there's this RV and I think I haven't talked to the guy this much yet, but there's an RV that parks at uh, the parking lot in Encinitas where we hang out pretty much every day because we scurry away to our own little spot that I won't tell yeah, you yeah. about the park overnight. <laughs> and, uh, on the app. But there's a guy who gets, I think he works at one of the local gas stations because I see it always parked outside of there, but he gets to the, uh, to the lot before everybody else every day and yeah. he gets that spot that I'm yeah, talking yeah. about and he's even got like an astroturf mat that he lays yeah. out and his, do- oh, his old like 12 year old dog like hangs out there all the time yeah. dude's got it dialed you know yep uh, but that's like one of those one of those things that I think about like would make a van land a lot more yeah yeah. I hope you guys do it man the little things in life just like that and that is the van life to me of it it makes you appreciate showers toilet like the things that you took for granted your whole life Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it's like when you get a hot shower, like a real one, after like doing my little van you shower. Keep mentioning that, like, do you shower in your van? Because I, I have, I have one in my van. Our, I don't. Our builds. We, we have don't. gym memberships, and we- yeah. I shower every day. Yeah. You know, like- yep. Well, of course, you go to the gym, which is nice. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't. Yeah. I don't do anything. That's what we always joke about too. Yep. I was like, there's no way you can go to the gym, not work out, and just shower. That's not possible. About two days later, I was like. Yep, I could definitely do this. I just walked right past everything and went to the shower. But We call it 24 shower shitness. Yep, yeah, that's, that's about right. I like the front desk people too. When you walk in and walk out 10 yep. minutes later, they're like... You're like, yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah. I've been fantasizing about getting one of those guys on the podcast. Because yeah, I want to be like, hey, what's the deal? I know that you know my deal. Because yeah. I come in here every day. I don't yeah. I don't work out. I surf. You know, I'm yeah. not a fat dude or anything. Yeah. But like, I don't work out in your gym. Like... uh what do your coworkers think of me? Yeah. How many of me are there? Yeah, that's because, what I don't you know. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've fantasized Hi, about going and getting absolutely ripped outside of their gym <laughs> and then just walking in for 10 minutes and leaving every day. Like, I don't know what you guys are doing. Like, <laughs> you just got to go in that bathroom for 10 minutes. You'll come out just looking <laughs> like this. <laughs> we should Everybody offer Planet Fitness membership with our vans. Ooh. It's the best thing in the world. It's $22 Ooh. a month yeah. for nationwide, and they're like yeah. everywhere. It's tricking it up here, obviously, but yeah, in any major city, I've never had a problem. Do we showering. have anyone? Is Denver our nearest one? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We we yeah, will yeah. not shower today, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's okay, because we're not going to see anybody. Uh, yeah. Whoa, you could you could do a partnership with Planet Fitness. Yeah, well, and so we'll quickly mention that, actually. We just were, just got an email based off the Vail yeah. Daily ad, or, uh, article from Harvest House. You heard about that? Uh-uh. Um, so Harvest House, it's similar to Boondockers Welcome, or you know, it's a mm-hmm. membership website where they've partnered with wineries, breweries, golf courses all around the country, okay. where those places will let you park your van, RV, whatever, right. and you know, you're uh, not expected, but uh, maybe encouraged to go on a wine tasting or okay. grab a beer at the brewery or sure. go to the golf restaurant or whatever, but it's actually a guy who's based in Vail that runs right. it. And I had heard about it when I started my RV thing because I was going to go around the country. I was like, where the hell do I park this thing? Uh-huh. And that was one. They have like 900 locations that yeah. they've now partnered with. And so we've thought about, like I haven't talked to the guy yet, we're going to schedule a call here, but of offering, hey, like you buy a van from us, you get a free Harvest House membership for the year. Oh, cool, yeah. To just get you started of yeah. like here's the it's easy back, yeah. Yeah, yeah like you that know sounds sweet. you don't need to stress about oh do i know the parking laws and all that she's like i just go to the golf course i was reading on boondockers <laughs> welcome to see if we could use that or maybe even work from the road for them because yeah. they they had some jobs posted uh 
but you have to have a crapper in your in your van for Boondockers Welcome. Yeah. I don't know if that's the case for Harvest House or not. I don't think it is. You can put a crapper in your van pretty easily. Yeah, oh, I know. So. There's space, but like, yeah, there's a Home Depot. Not that bucket. I have one in mine, but Home Depot live... bucket with the uh, yeah. make those where they just literally just goes into the bucket. There's like, my best. But anyway, so that that was. Um, a really cool it's a cool thing that i had seen and the fact that the guy emailed us and he's local i was like that's that's awesome so yeah, yeah those little things are, are yeah, that's cool. helping enable the initial stress of all those questions of where do i shower where do i go to the bathroom mm-hmm. where do i park like it'd be great to just be like hey for your first six to twelve months we will give you some help here and then you can figure it out on your own so yeah yeah, Planet Fitness is a jam too. Like we, we she doesn't even have a membership. She's my guest. Yeah, yeah. and it's and, a free uh, guest every time. Yeah, that every like time. my mind. They are all over the place. But our for where we're at, our closest one is twenty four hours. So we belong to Do Country Club. Yeah, oh, very nice. Yep, because <laughs> you can. Yeah. <laughs> well, in twenty four hour in California, I mean, you can. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. I, I found know. Planet Fitness to be nicer too, though. Yeah, the it is surprisingly for the cost for twenty two dollars. Yeah. I have Clean. rare, like I, I spent a winter in Northern California, mm-hmm. so in the, the Bay Area, um, and it, it was pretty gross because it's over, just overly populated. Mm-hmm. And like for $22, that's where everyone goes to work yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. So like there were a lot of band-aids and stuff mm, in the showers. But, nice. But when I've gone to like any other Planet Fitness, Jacksonville, Columbus, Ohio, like I've been to a mm-hmm. lot of them, they are like pristine. And I'm like, how is this? How does this make sense? Like, yeah. I haven't paid you. I've paid Planet Fitness $22. Yeah. Maybe they're There's, pulling a Jeff Be- Bezos and just trying to put all the other gyms out of business. Yeah, and, and then, then they'll they'll jack the price up. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, there's 1200 So I've paid like two cents to each each place a month. Yeah. And uh, somehow the showers are like perfectly clean. Yeah. The toilets are great. Everything's new. Yeah, it's like, it's crazy. But yeah, that free guest thing blew my mind. Um the fact that you go in there with the person every time it's uh-huh. no charge yeah call us planet fitness so let's <laughs> plug plug we'll your plug, it. plug your shit yeah. now <laughs> so we're dave matt vans he's dave i'm matt <laughs> two dudes building vans uh no i mean it started with with i was a teacher building a van for myself on a teacher's budget yeah um and you know people got excited dave got excited by how i was able to do it affordably yeah um and still have everything i needed and nothing i didn't yeah. Um, so it turned out super well. We we were gonna build another one to rent. Uh, we ended up selling it. Um, built another and sold that one. And then you know really figured out how to dial in our process, how to templatize things, how to make a really quality product mm-hmm. uh, for a really affordable price. Cool. And so we say we're out here enabling van life for the rest of us. Um, so not just that one percent who can you know afford that fancy four by four sprinter van mm-hmm. uh we want to get people on the road as, as quickly and efficiently as possible right. um in a super quality build and, and an affordable price um and we've got 36 fans on the road in the past year so we you know have kind of figured out our process um we're always kind of iterating getting better every day but uh you know at this point we build a, a pretty sweet van uh, i live in one of our vans full time and and love it um and you know kind of built this cool community around it and want to keep doing it as long as we can so oh one quick question yeah. before we end that I forgot to ask. Why ProMaster? Ah, great question. Um, that was me making a choice originally. Yeah. Uh, having looked at the Sprinter, the Transit, and the ProMaster. Uh, number one, the ProMaster's front-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in the mountains, for me on a budget, I could only afford the rear-wheel drive Transit or rear-wheel drive Sprinter. Mm-hmm. And that terrified me. So right there, that was qualifying factor number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, the ProMaster has straighter walls. So, you know, Easier being my build first build, it was going to be the easiest to build. Uh, and that's proven true, you know, start to finish. Uh, lets me sleep across 
Do you build all of your beds that way across? Yeah, yeah well, uh, not most of them. We're okay. building one right now coming lengthwise for a taller guy. Yeah. Uh, so basically it's a full king size. Uh-huh. Uh, but we're five foot ten coming across, which mm-hmm. for me is, is perfect. Enough. Um, and for most of our customers actually ends up being enough. Yeah. Um, I'd say the next one too, is it's easy to repair. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you start looking at the sprinter for me originally, I was like, Hey, I could stretch my budget and get into a sprinter, mm-hmm. but that first repair, even that first oil change, it's like, there goes my budget, you know? So to be able to have something that's easy to fix, easy to repair yeah. was huge. And obviously the transit fits that category and the ProMaster, uh-huh. but the ProMaster was the only one that checked all those boxes, right. front wheel drive, easy to build on. Um, and easy to repair uh, okay. and affordable. I mean, there, there's a bunch of them out there. UPS uses them, Amazon uses them, mm-hmm. and so they get flipped over quickly. Mm-hmm. So easy to find a, a used affordable ProMaster. Oh, and this, this just occurred to me yeah. again. Is it do you buy the ban- vans and then sell them to folks, or do I bring you a van to build? Yeah, so we originally started off buying the vans used because okay. uh, I bought it for myself. Yeah, building it out and selling that full product, the full uh-huh. kit and caboodle, if you will. Mm-hmm. Our last. 15 vans have all been brought to us okay. uh, by customers. Okay. And so to us, we think that's the best model mm-hmm. is they can pick the van that fits their budget, their needs, color, you know, condition, etc. Mm-hmm. And what we say is we'll help people from start to finish on that process. We've seen hundreds cool. of them come across our screen. So we have, people, yeah, we have people yeah. send us vans that they find online. You know, we recommend, hey, send them a mechanic to check out the engine. Mm-hmm. Hey, I think that's a great deal. You know, maybe keep looking. Things awesome. like that to guide them through that process. They can also finance it better that way, yeah. you know, through the dealership. Sure, sure. And then we do the build. Right. Um, that said, we are in the process of getting our dealership license okay. um, so that we can actually procure used ProMasters. Right. Because um, we do like that model. We've had, you know, at least five customers who basically have come to us just because we had the van. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, like, we started this process. We were overwhelmed from day one of just trying to find the ProMaster, right. yet alone the build. Okay, we got you. Mm-hmm. You know, so like we found them a van, uh, met the requirements that they wanted in it, built it, and kind of full kick caboodle form. It seems to me in in that <coughs> scenario, one of the advantages is if I'm buying the van from you, yeah. uh, I can get the build included in my financing. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's one of the big advantages exactly. as, as a person who might not have whatever your yeah. outfit costs. And that's the other cool one we found is uh, whitestream.com finances used RVs okay. uh, and their tagline is we'll finance anything. Wow. Uh, and so when we do have the van and build all in one, customers have been able to go to Lightstream and finance the whole thing. Okay. Um, so that's been pretty yeah. good for them too. Yeah, because even though we are probably the most affordable build out there, we're 18500 bucks for the full base build. Mm-hmm. That's still a lot of cash. Yeah, and, that's a lot of money. You know, if we're dealing with regular people that are teachers or doing whatever else, there's not a lot of them that are just going to be, yeah, I've got 18500 just burned yeah. a hole in my pocket to go right. spend. And so to be able to have a place like Lightstream to go to, to say, yeah, you can basically say that the end result is going to be $39,000 mm-hmm. for the whole build in the van. And you can get that all financed. You that money and, and then yeah. I can go um, use it in two different I, places. And the biggest thing too is just location of like, we have gone to, I don't know, 12 different states probably to go pick up vans. Like yeah. Florida, Indiana, Texas, like Arizona, like you'd name it. We've probably gone there. And so if you have a regular job, it's like you can't just peace out for five days yeah. and fly to Florida to go pick up a van. To go maybe not buy may, a yeah, van. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> to go shopping. Uh, yeah, so that's been the biggest – because, again, our goal is to enable the lifestyle. That yeah, is our sure. goal. And so if we run into a problem where people are saying, hey, 
I can't go to Florida and the ones in Denver are, you know, $8,000 more. Uh We want to be able to say, like I said, we got you. We'll go get the van. We'll figure that out. And so what we're trying to figure out is how can we get 12 vans here so that people don't have to go and travel anywhere and they can buy the van from us and not have our build out and just Mm -hmm. buy the van and, you know, go wherever they want to get it done. Or they can say, yeah, we want that van and we want your build out. So... We'll just drive it around the lot. <laughs> around the corner, yeah. One-stop building. shop. Yeah, cool. So that's that's the goal. And also, there's just a reality of legally you can only sell so many vehicles in a year before you have to become a dealer. Oh, that's really? Two. So, oh. oh, wow. So very quickly, uh, you would have to go to the dealership route. And so obviously, with the popularity of our build, it has very quickly escalated into, okay, we need to become a dealer in order yeah. to sell these. So, um, yeah, so it's a good thing. Again, there's not a lot of other van companies that are doing that because of how difficult it is to get your dealership license to main, like maintain that business and the liability that comes with it. It's mm-hmm. obviously a bigger hassle for us yeah. to do it, but if our goal is to enable the lifestyle, we have like we kind of have to. We oh, and really you're moving choice. a lot of builds. So. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for yeah, having us. Appreciate it. Us. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys, we did it. Uh, that was episode 29 of From the Van, featuring Dave and Matt of Dave and Matt Vans, dmvans.com. Uh, if you're looking to have somebody else build out a pretty basic, relatively inexpensive van for you, they're probably worth looking into. Um, it's really cool to make an appointment to talk to some dudes that you just absolutely know nothing about and come out with a really fascinating conversation. I, I really enjoyed these guys, and I hope to run into them again soon. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you've made it this far... Go to fromthevan.com, subscribe to our YouTube and Apple podcasts and Spotify, and leave us a bunch of wonderful reviews. Uh, using uh, Byzantine um, and uh, and out-of-date language. And uh, please come back next Tuesday for another episode of From the Van.